Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Fams, it's good to be with you. I'm Jess, for the people who may not know, I'm preaching today from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 16. And man, this verse, verses, pack a punch. I was a little bit scared when I read them. I much prefer, I must admit, the stories and the kind of like nice Christian verses that we're all used to, that we all know. Um, but this, I think, packs a punch God has already convicted my heart and I really hope today you can uh, hear from the Holy Spirit and um, that it will be a challenge for all of us. So I'm going to pray before we jump in. God knows I need it um, and pray for us all before we start and jump on in. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are a good, good father. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me now. Um, and that our hearts will be open to hearing from you. And I ask the Lord that this just won't be another 20 minutes to get through and then our Monday looks different. I pray that this will change us. Your word, your living word will change us. So I thank you that you are good. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that we can, um, yeah, freely be in a country and learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So launching in now. Like I said, this is a trickier verse, well, at least for me to preach from, but I'm going to go for it. I felt like um, recently God's just said, stop holding back. So here we go. Um, and just to kind of frame what we're talking about, a little story came to mind where I got Liam some ice cream and I love treating the kids. I love treats myself. If you know me, that's pretty normal. Um, and as he was eating the ice cream, I had one of those parent moments where I was looking at my kid. And I kept smiling <laughs> and he looked up and he caught me smiling at him, staring super weird. And uh, he said to me, is it because I'm a good boy? And I replied to him, nah, it's because I love you. And I really feel like um, sometimes what we can do when we come uh, and we learn about God, it's like, am I a good boy? Am I a bad boy? Whatever it might be. But God just loves you. And as we jump into this idea of sin and the taboo topic that it is, I want you to know that the framework that God has for us is love. He wants freedom. And I know some churches are really good at talking about sin. Others are not so much. Like I said, it's a taboo topic. And I probably was more on the taboo didn't really feel comfortable talking about sin until a few years ago when I realized actually there's so much good news in this because Jesus has covered our sins, that we don't need to be fearful talking about this anymore and there's freedom that comes um, in relationship with him. Uh, another story, and I might have shared this, I really can't remember. As siblings, I had a brother and I have a brother and sister. And as a kid, I can't remember how old I was. I remember being in the bathroom, brushing our teeth. My brother was looking into the mirror and I was kind of watching him. He's four years older than me. And he said to me, do you know what? Blackheads kill you. And I remember this rush of fear just came over my body. And I was like, oh, man. I don't want to be a young person if that's the case. And another example, um, 
we were talking about this unforgivable sin, which you would have heard maybe in the Bible, there's this unforgivable sin. And um, I started freaking out. I was like, man, like, what is this unforgivable sin? I don't even know about this. And I said to him, can you tell me? Because like, what if I accidentally say it? And he said to me, I can't tell you because then you'll die. And so my first impression and understanding of sin was like, just do some things right. And hopefully you just go through life without saying this one word. Otherwise you're dead. You're gone for. And obviously that wasn't true. And I think he believed it at the time too. But it took me a long time to be um, able to talk about this. And so as we jump in, I'm going to unpack three parts, three points briefly. I know we say briefly, but I've already been going for four minutes, but hopefully briefly. And if you're a, a Jess equivalent, which is um, all the people who get distracted, hopefully I can hold your attention long enough because I do feel like God has a message for each and every one of us this morning. And the verse is from um, Ephesians chapter five, and we're going to look at verse three. Um, to five right now and it says let there be no sexual immorality impurity or greed among you such sins have no place among God's people obscene stories foolish talk coarse jokes are not for you instead let there be thankfulness to God you can be sure that no immoral impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of the world. It's like, boom, that verse. Let there be no place for sin. And this is the confronting part. It's like we can't go a 98% and then be fine. In the dark um, areas of my life when no one sees and when I'm really grumpy, like there is no place for sin. What jumps out to you in this verse? Which part might jump out to you that you feel like mm, maybe this is something that is actually a blockage in my life? And I think sometimes we can think of greed as like a hoarder of money. It's like, I just want all this money for itself. But actually, we can be greedy with our love. We can be greedy with our time. We can be greedy with our energy. And we can devote our mind to the trappings of this world, idols. It's like kind of filling our hands up with all of these things. And I got to tell you that as we clench onto idols, which are so much more than just a golden calf, all of the modern day idols, we actually are not able to live a life surrendered with our arms and hands open metaphorically to Jesus. And I just want to let that sink for a second. Where are their idols? Where are we greedy with something in our life that we need to relinquish to God? Because actually, it's not a choice. We cannot live in two camps of having idols and having sin and also having fullness of relationship with God. And it says, continuing to, to read on from that verse, don't be fooled by those who try and excuse these sins. Oh, my goodness. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. He loves us and he will actually discipline us and I think that it's so important when we're talking about this idea of sin is it's not like a line in the middle and it's like okay you can have 3.8 drinks and then you're fine but if you have 3.9 you're sinful you can say crap but you can't say s-h-i-t no like that's the line um I can give to a charity so I'm not greedy unfortunately it's not black and white it's more about the posture of our heart and our desire for fullness of relationship with him God doesn't want the bare minimum. And a better question to ask, I think, church, is actually, is this actions of a righteous man or woman? 
Is this actions of a holy person who is pursuing holiness in Christ's name? Is this fruitful for my soul? It may not be sinful, but is it fruitful? Is that thing fruitful for me? Um, even an example, as I said, that is I can binge watch things. And I remember there were certain times in my life where I'd get too obsessed with something and they weren't terrible. They weren't R-rated or inappropriate. But hey, it became a foothold. And Jesus said, throw that in the bin. Like literally, and this was back when we had DVDs. I went and threw that in the bin because he said, you're becoming obsessed. Your mind is consumed. So even good things, which other people could watch that and be fine. Would Jesus do this? Is this fruitful for my life? And I really love this quote that I heard. And it says, it's not just what you are saved from. It's what you are saved for. And I tell you what, church, is we're living in this half-truth story. The Christians, we get our ticket of salvation, which is amazing. But that's only half of it. We were saved for a purpose. To live our lives on fire for Christ and to actually spread this good news that we have received. It's not just what you are saved from. It is what you are saved for. And God's story and his picture for our life is so much bigger than we can ever imagine. But part of it is actually realizing what are the things in my life that are blockages to God that actually I cannot see God clearly because I have put these things in my life. And this shouldn't be a scary thing. This is an, actually an empowering part of the gospel and the power of Christ Jesus. Uh, recently I had a moment where I was feeling like there was a blockage in my life. And so Charlie had gone out and I sat on the lounge room floor and I said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me what's going on? Why am I not experiencing your joy? And he brought up unforgiveness and not in one relationship, so many. That's a huge shame for me. And he said, that is turning into bitterness. You are bitter and you need to forgive. And I, I said, I can't, I actually can't. And in that moment, I needed Jesus. And so I cried out and I said, Lord, I cannot do this alone. I need your help to forgive that person because firstly, you have forgiven me. And all the excuses of why we shouldn't forgive this person or do this. Christ died for the ones who were nailing him on the cross. He died for you and I. And the Holy Spirit in that moment has brought freedom to my life. Now, sometimes it's a once off. Sometimes it's like Shrek, the onion layers. It takes time. And for me, I think it is going to be something that I regularly need to check my spirit on. But God wants freedom. He's not cruelly saying that. He said, you are bound by bitterness. It is time to forgive, just as I have forgiven you. Pardon me. And as we go on to look at sin, what we can, we can't do. That's not the point, people. It's the pursuit of God's holy and righteous plan for us to walk with him in his presence. And I want to tell you, he is so, so good. He wants freedom for you and he wants freedom for me. <coughs> Jesus knows we stuff up, but his blood is sufficient. So right now, what is the Holy Spirit whispering to you? What do we need to submit at the foot of the cross? We need to take responsibility of the footholds of sin. Do you ever feel that you can't experience joy that comes in relationship with him? And I think the thing that really scares me, and I've been here in myself, my own journey, is sometimes we can't be bothered. It's too hard. It's too hard to tackle this. 
Um, so we give up and we only live that half truth of, yeah, I've got my ticket of salvation and I'm good. But I want to say right now, and I feel very, very strong that the Holy Spirit is saying, children, I want more for your life. The barriers, bring them to me. Allow me to reveal the things that are not of me so I can set you free. Now, point number two, you grip your way through the murk once. This is the message translation, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions of the appropriate uh, actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. For once we are full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Oh, geez, I keep stopping um, this video. Uh, I keep having coughing fits, but that's okay. It's important to say what I'm, I need to say here. Um, and I think it's really important, church, also to remember that we can't just cut out sin. We actually need to replace it with things of the light. So when we have things in our life that has bound us for so long, what are the things you need to replace it with? The goodness of God that you need to replace it with. And I think while this might be a bit of a scary one for a lot of us, sometimes in our life when there are footholds and we don't feel like we're getting anywhere and we keep falling back into the same sinful practice, we need deliverance. And deliverance is prayer. It's freedom. It's confessing out loud to people who are trusted and getting prayer for the sin, that it might be deeply rooted in pain or a hiddenness or a darkness. And friends, we need to get over our pride and reach out. You know, one of the desires from the eldership team at Oak Sea Church is that we want to be a prayerful community. We need one another. And God wants us to pray for one another. And I think sometimes there are things in your life that you really need to actually bring other people in so they can support you in that. So please reach out if that is you. Now, the time is now. I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message translation um, to get on with it. Do it. Figure it out what pleases Christ, then do it. Um, you don't need to be a Christian for 2.5 years and show, you know, a smile to church 48 times before making a difference. The disciples were unschooled, ordinary people ordinary jobs, ordinary fam from ordinary families. And the difference was they had been with Jesus. So have you been with Jesus? Because if you have, the evidence should flow out into, your, into the world. In your workplaces, we can make a difference. We need each other. We need to be light in every situation that we're in. And you know what it starts with? It starts with prayer saying, Lord, I don't even really like my colleagues, but I pray that my heart is broken for them, that my heart um, will start to see them the way that you see them. And then all of a sudden, you know what? God answers this prayer quicker than you'll ever realize. As soon as you ask for God's heart for someone, he is so desperately trying to reach them that he will give it. I remember even in the beginning stages of black time, I thought, well, I don't know really if I love this city. So I prayed that prayer of God, give me a heart. And he was like, boom, yes, I'm looking for people who are willing to pray that prayer. You can be light and love and be um, 
the opportunity that someone may never have. God is longing for his people to actually say, yes, Jesus, I will go. And you know what? I make excuses. I am the king justifier. Maybe you know that about me. Maybe you don't. When I drive, I sometimes just have a few reasons if I got pulled over to try and justify my way out of it. Says something terrible about my personality, I'm pretty sure. But I honestly do. I can get myself out of a lot of things. There's one time I didn't get out of it and I really deserved it. And I felt mortified. I was like, man, you let your guard down. You should have had those excuses. Uh, when I have a fight with Charlie, sometimes I justify my rant. This is why I was being grumpy. This is why. And sometimes I need to just say, you know what? Enough of the excuses. And I think in the economy of heaven, we need to just stop worrying and have a go. Have a fail. I, I don't like failing. But we need to have a go. God is saying, come on, I've given you this opportunity, so go for it. And if you don't have opportunities, pray and he will give you, I believe, an opportunity by the end of the day. God is hungering for us to take a stand and stop making excuses while we can't. And I'm just thinking of this example of when my kids make me cards, all different uh, age and stages and abilities, when they bring them to me, I'm not expecting it to be Mona Lisa. In fact, I don't want that. What I care about is the heart which they're making it. And I cherish those cards. And, and even when uh, one might look make mum look a little bit round or when they're spilling things wrong, I don't care. I love them. I prop them up on the fridge and I say, you love me and I love these. God wants us to have a go, to step out. And can I tell you something really honest? The loving costs you everything. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you your heart. You will get your heart broken. I can't lie about that. And, and I feel as a leader in Oak City Church, but as someone who's been walking with Jesus, it feels lonely at times. It feels discouraging at times. But just as at the youth group when I quit and I said, you know what, um, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I'm done, God. And for the you who don't know, God had called me to start a bit of a radical youth group with a lot of people and it was a bit of a disaster and it was a mess. And I was thinking, how can anything godly be this much of a mess? And one night I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. And God, I quit in my head and I didn't tell anyone. And I was really smug about it. And I rocked up to youth group that night. And I walked through the door and I was like, mm -hmm, yes, I'm quitting. This is fine. I don't care. Tonight can be a disaster and I don't care. And as I walked through the door, adamant that that was my decision, it was too hard. A girl ran around the corner and she hugged me. And that may not sound like much, but this girl, I had been in relationship for over a year and got felt like nowhere. I felt like I was failing. I felt like there was no good coming from this. All it was was awkward and hard and that she actually hated me somehow. I had made this all about me. I didn't realise that by showing up for a year, being a friendly face, even though she said nothing back to me, God was sowing seeds. And my friends, we need to believe that God is sowing seeds in our lives when we say, yes, enough is enough I am actually going to love at the cost of everything. And if you look at Jesus and his life, the cross cost him everything. But in eternity, 
we're going to feel silly unless we actually live for him. Another haunting quote, but a challenging one, is I heard someone say, as Christians, we sometimes like to have tea parties in our home while our neighbours' homes burn up in flames. And I'm challenged by that. It's not meant to be a guilty thing, but it is meant to say it's time, church. And in the message, it says this, wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. And where are you asleep? Where are we asleep? Where are we living but not alive? Where is it time to climb out of the coffin and be resurrected by Christ? Because he is ready. And if you don't know how to do this, he will show you. And that's what a spiritual community is. And reach out, please. Because this sinfulness and the blockages we put on for God, in, in the way of our relationship with God, he doesn't want it there. He wants to give us freedom and joy despite all the circumstances we might go through. And then he wants us to do something about it. He wants us to be enabled for his kingdom. We need to get up and move. And sometimes I heard a wonderful message this week about sometimes we wait for God to show us which way. But it actually never says that. A lot of the time it's actually about getting up and having a go at something and God promises to go with us. Have a go, church. Be, be inspired by your desires and your creativity. Have a go because God loves that. Like the kids with the cards. I'm not critiquing that. God just loves it when we come to him and say, here you go. I'm trying to do it for you. He loves our heart in that. And one last story before I wrap up, and I know the Burke's a classic, uh, coming into land. That's like one of our phrases, but I promise you I'm coming into land. Um, when God, probably four years ago, started prompting Charlie and I to uh, church plant, which was never part of our 10-year uh, plan, I just felt discouraged. I sat there and I went, I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't want to do this. In fact, the cost, the pain unknown we don't have a team and you're saying this isn't a paid gig I don't want to do it what's the point what's the point of all of that cost and nothing for us I don't get it God I don't think I can sign up for this because maybe what one or two people might come to know you for all of that cost is that what you're saying to me and you know what he said he rebuked me in a very loving way he said wouldn't you move mountains for one or two to be saved. And instantly I thought of, at the time, my two kids, Liam and Hannah. And the shock came over me. Lord, I would do anything for my kids to know you to be saved. And he said, so will I. Church, it is you, it is me, it is time. It doesn't matter what your past has been. It is time for us to awaken. Wake up from your sleep. Jess, church, climb out of our coffins of passivity and compromise and comfort. Climb out and Christ will show us his light. And I know I'm being passionate right now. But this is, this is the message that we need to capture. Otherwise, I think we'd rather give up. He wants a white-hot faith. He doesn't want fence-sitters. He doesn't want lukewarm 
believers. He wants to empower us, bring freedom from all the stuff that gets in the way and empower us to live for his kingdom and purposes. Now, the last thing we're going to watch, and then I'm going to pray, is a video um, of this just you might have seen it, gorgeous little boy who is holding his baby sister for the first time. And she's a miracle child. Their family had been wanting this baby and I don't know all the details. Um, and the father is holding the son and the son, the brother, is holding the baby girl. And I just want to say one thing is look closely at the father and look closely at the big brother and his reaction to his little sister. And if we could even have half the delight and the passion and the overwhelmed sense of love for our brother and sisters who don't know Christ out there in the world, then I think we are on to a move of God, a revival of God, a pouring out of his spirit that cannot be manufactured by really good programs or really great churches or lights or songs or anything. Our heart, our heart has to start there. So church, again, I say these words, wake up from our sleep climb out of our coffins, Christ will show you the light. It is time. So let's watch this video now. And so Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to reveal the things that are not of you and not out of cruelty, but out of freedom that you want for each and every one of us. May we have the courage to confess it to people we trust and get prayer. And Lord, we pray that in your power that we will and we believe this, we will be forgiven, that you will bring joy to our lives, that you want to walk closely with us. And I ask Jesus that you will empower us to get up, to get out of our coffins, to awaken, O oh church, for your purposes. That the greatest joy and adventure we could ever have is being part of your mission to save and seek the world for your love. And Jesus, we thank you that you showed us the way, that you gave everything. And we are afraid. We are afraid of the cost. But we ask that you awaken our hearts. Challenge us, Lord, because we don't want to be lukewarm Christians anymore. We want to live for you, Jesus, but we need your help. Help us to stand up, to start moving, to do anything, Lord, to say, you know what? I was weary. I was tucked away, but no more. I'm going to let my light shine for you, Jesus. 
So we thank you, Lord, that you have all authority over heaven and earth and that through the death of your son, Jesus Christ, through the resurrection and ascension on high, that we have the same power to do even greater things than you. Oh, Lord, we believe it. We ask for you to help us believe it. So we thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. And so I just want to thank you, church, for holding in there. Um, I know I'm passionate, but please reach out if you would like prayer. If you want to have a discussion, don't leave it here. And we love you and we thank you for joining us this morning. We cannot wait in a few weeks to have a bit of a party and be together in the same room. So bless you guys. Love you lots. Mm -hmm.